And I want to just uh, confirm what you shared today about the prophets, the, the role of the apostolic and the prophetic of calling a nation to repentance. And, and that's an incredible role that we have, that you have, sir, and that this body of believers has. And so I just wrote down my thoughts and, um, and I just want to share it with you. You guys know that I'm a writer, so I love writing and then just reading it to you. But just whatever the Holy Spirit says for me to share and, and add and say in the moment, I want to be faithful to do that today. Thank you, Lord. It's called An Understanding of the Times. So that's our, that's our topic for today, Understanding of the Times. This week, I want to share some very personal thoughts and perspective about what God has called Cumberland Valley Church to do and to represent in this community and throughout the world. In order to, for me to explain this calling, I need to go to 1 Chronicles 12. Most of you are very familiar with 1 Chronicles, the 12th chapter. This scripture refers to the time in Israel's history when David was being established as the new king. So 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 23, it reads this. Now, these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war and came to David at Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him, to David, according to the word of the Lord. Now, I won't read all of these verses, but then it goes on from verses 24 through 38 to list mighty warriors. So we just heard Pastor Paul said, I'm a warrior. <laughs> I'm a fighter. And so verses 24 through 38 is a list of the mighty warriors along with the weapons and the skills that they brought to the new king's military force. Um, if you read all the way through that, I'm just going to do it as a list so, so we won't read all of that. The sons of Judah came bearing shield and spear. They were armed for war. The sons of Simeon, they were mighty men of valor, fit for war. Zadok, a young man, a valiant warrior. The sons of Ephraim, mighty men of valor, famous men throughout their father's house. The half-tribe of Manasseh, it says, who were designated by name to come and make David king. The sons of Issachar, who had, had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Of Zebulun, who went out to battle, expert in war with all weapons of war. Stout-hearted men who could keep ranks. That's amazing. In the midst of all of our fighting, we can still stay in our ranks. <laughs> of Naphtali with shield and spear, the Danites who could keep battle formation, of Asher, those who could go out to war, able to keep battle formation, of the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, says they were armed for battle with every kind of weapon. All these men of war who could keep ranks came to Hebron with a loyal heart to make David king over all Israel. Wow, that's quite a list, isn't it? Now, what we find remarkable about this was that everyone brought a particular weapon and skill and ability to the king. Now, the Bible says they were equipped for war, but one group did not bring weapons of swords, spears, shields, or any obvious weapon of war. Verse 32 declares that the sons of Issachar's contribution 
to the king was that they had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. In other words, they brought the prophetic to the king. They brought wisdom to the king. That's the same thing that I believe Cumberland Valley brings to the battle for the heart and soul of Pennsylvania in the United States and in the world. I believe that you have the same role as the sons of Issachar. Yes, Lord. You bring the prophetic voice and wisdom of God. You bring the understanding of the times so that the church should know what we're to do in this battle over this state, over this nation. That's what you bring. Sometimes you may have thought, God, how come we don't have all the weapons and the skills and all the stuff that other churches and ministries have? But it's because you bring an understanding of the times. I've heard you preach a number of times now, sir, and exhort. And every time you speak, it's always bringing an understanding of what we're supposed to do. What we're called to do in this season, in this hour. So you have to be careful, everyone, to not despise what God has given Pastor Paul and this ministry to bring to the king. Because you have to understand, these they were bringing their weapons and their contributions and their skills to the king. So this is what you bring to the king. <laughs> Jesus is the king and lord over this region. Amen. And you must be faithful to bring our weapons of war just like the others who brought their mighty weapons of war. It's just that many believers don't see the value of understanding of the times. They don't see this as being just as powerful of a weapon of war as the spear and the sword and the shield. But it is, or otherwise it wouldn't have been written what their contribution was. Wow. A lot of times believers unwittingly fall into the category of people described in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 26. You can turn there if you'd like. I'm going to read New King James Version, Proverbs 1, and starting at verse 20. It says, wisdom calls aloud. She, meaning wisdom, raises her voice in the open square. She, wisdom, cries out in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gates in the city. She, meaning wisdom, speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Isn't that something? Fools hate knowledge. <laughs> but wisdom says, turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refuse. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained on my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror comes. Just look at Proverbs uh, 4 verses starting at verse 6. Go to Proverbs 4. Starting at verse 6, 6 through 8, I'm going to read this. Listen to what it says about wisdom. Do not forsake her. Do not forsake her, wisdom. And she, wisdom, will preserve you. 
Love her. Love wisdom. And wisdom will, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom in all, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, wisdom. And she, wisdom, will promote you. She, wisdom, will bring you honor when you embrace her, when you embrace wisdom. Wisdom is so important that even James pointed it out as the first step to take when you're faced with the trial. I want you to now go to the book of James. James, the first chapter. I feel like this is another one of those, one of those uh, passages of scriptures that cer certain groups and movements that have taken place over the last 30, 40 of years here in America have changed its meaning and made it another get-rich scheme. James chapter 1, start. I'll start at verse 2. This is a very familiar passage for many of us. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And just saying, all that's saying is let patience have its complete and thorough work in your life, that you may be mature mature and whole, complete, lacking nothing. And then it seems, sounds like he changes the subject, but he didn't. And I'll explain in just a minute. Verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without, a, without reproach, and it will be given to him. What's going to be given to him? Wisdom. And many have taken that scripture and said, whatever it is that you want to ask of God, just ask and he'll give it to you. And he'll give it to you without any pros. And all he said, what, what did he say? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. It's not that God won't respond to our request, but they use this scripture and try to apply it to something that that's not what the writer was talking about. And the reason why I take the time to do that is because we've got to get out of that habit and pattern in the body of Christ of taking passages of scripture and trying to apply it to something that that's not what the writer was talking about. Because what's happening is people are standing up quoting scriptures, but quote, believing God for this and believing God for that. And it's sort of like this. It, it's like uh, I'll use a sickness. I hate using sickness as an example. But if somebody is having uh, a problem with breathing, it's like, okay, you're going to give them a headache medicine. You're going to give them a, a, you know, something for a headache and their issues in their lungs. And that's what we're doing with scripture. <laughs> I can't breathe. Okay, here, take an Advil. That's not what that's for. Now, will Advil help them? Well, if they're having a headache while they're not, while they're struggling to breathe, well, the headache will stop. <laughs> but that's really not what I asked for. And a lot of times we're doing that with scripture, and this is one of those passages. This is one of those passages. James was putting emphasis on, on asking God for wisdom right. while we're in the midst of a trial. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Ask God for wisdom. Isn't that amazing? Because many times we have, that what, when you hear about the, when this passage is used, we're told to just ask God and pray that he gets us out of the trial. 
and believe in faith that he's going to deliver you out of the trial. But that's not what the writer was saying. He's saying when you're in the midst of a trial, then there's something that's happening. Here's first of all what's happening to us. We'll see it in verse four. Patience is being produced. And if you want to get to successfully get to the point where mature patient maturity and patience is developed in your life, the link to get you there is wisdom. And I want to tell you the part of the reason I'm jumping way ahead of myself, but the reason why it's so important to have wisdom in the midst of the trials, because there's going to come an understanding of the time an understanding of the season that I'm in. And if I'm understanding better what's happening to me and why it's happening, then yes, patience can be produced in me. If I'm in the midst of, if I'm in year one of a seven year process, then I'm not griping and complaining and fighting God on the process he's taking me through. And so unlike the one who preached and told me that I should just believe in faith that God's going to get me out of this. That's why so many people and believers are stumbling and falling because if they're not out of it after a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years, they're done because they were told to respond to God in a way that's not, that's not what the writer said. said, you're in the midst of a trial, rejoice. Why? Because something's being produced in you. Maturity, patience. And then he didn't switch subjects. He actually stayed right on topic and said, now, in order for that to happen, if you lack wisdom, <laughs> ask God for wisdom. Because with that, wisdom is going to come an understanding of the time that I'm in. Bless the Lord. Come on, bless the Lord, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Then he tells us even how to ask for it. Verse 6, it says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. Again, another one of those passages that has been used to, all right, if you want something from God, ask in faith with no doubting. But that's not what he was talking about. What is he talking about when he said ask in faith? Ask for wisdom in faith. Wow. With no doubting. Doubting what? Doubting what God tells you. Because if you ask for wisdom, he already told us, he's going to give it liberally, without reproach. God's not going to say, what you asking me this for? That's a stupid request. That's a stupid question. God will say, I'm, I'll tell you, here, here, is, here is how to apply the knowledge and the information that I have given you. Here is what you need to do and respond in within this situation under these circumstances in my timing. Wow. So if you ask, verse 6, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is double he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, many times, again, I go to the church background, a lot of you may have come from certain denominations that told you that double-mindedness 
is the person who hasn't made up their mind if whether they're going to really live for God or not. Double-minded. I'm in the world one day, and I'm in Christ the next day. And I'm going back and forth, trying to make up my mind if rather I'm going to be all out for God or all out for the world. And so we were told that's what double-minded is. No, put it in the context of the scripture. God speaks his word, gives you his wisdom. But because you want to hold on to your way of how to get through the trial, you end up with a double mind. Double mind actually means two minded. <laughs> you got your mind. I'm still trying to figure it out how to do it. I'll use finances as an example. Financial trial. Wisdom of God comes says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. My response to you in this, in this financial trial is give. Well, my mind says, well, if I give, I won't have anything. So now I'm what? Double-minded. I got what he's telling me to do versus what I want to do. <laughs> and he said that not that don't expect to receive anything from the Lord what anything you're not going to come into the maturity that he's trying to bring you into even the blessing why because I'm still trying to hold on to my way so we're faced with the trial patience is being produced so that you can become more mature, complete, and, and lack nothing. And lack nothing in what way? Again, I'm not discrediting or putting down the fact that God wants us to be prosperous. And he wants us to come to a place where we're lacking nothing. But again, here is what the writer was talking about. To become more mature, to become more complete, and lacking nothing in our understanding. Lacking nothing in our perspective and our awareness of what God is doing in this time and in this season. Wow. So I, I found myself now, Holy Spirit just gave me this little thought. He said, so the link that moves us to a place where we can count it all joy and where we have patience is wisdom. And that wisdom, if I can broaden the definition, is having an understanding of our times. Wow. So you got to understand from God's standpoint, wisdom is not just a set of clever phrases that are written in the book of Proverbs. <laughs> wisdom was right there when God was creating everything. And me and you. <laughs> so think about it from God's standpoint. Wisdom was right there with almighty God created. Of course, I'm not saying it's a separate entity, but the wisdom was a part of the mix in the creation of all things. Before there were any words attached to wisdom, wisdom was right there. So when we're asking for wisdom, we're talking about that aspect of God that is way beyond just what he's obviously doing. It gets into God's reason for why he does 
what he does. I remember one time in a men's meeting I was sharing with a bunch of guys about the incredible wisdom of God and how when he created everything, God had wisdom said, now because you're going to make air-breathing creatures, then at the start of this whole thing, you're going to need to make air. <laughs> I want you to understand how God thinks in wisdom. Wisdom is way out ahead in the beginning stages of the planning of a thing. We as human beings, we always start with what we want. You know, in our human mindset, it would be, we're going to have a planet. We're going to make people and animals. And so we would have just start making animals and people and everything and, and go, how come nothing is surviving? Well, you didn't make atmosphere. You didn't make anything for them to eat. You did not. <laughs> so wisdom has the understanding Times and seasons setting up the whole stage so when God got to the climax of all of his creation, me and you, human beings, then everything was already in place. Yes. Isn't that awesome? So now you can see. So when you're in the midst of a trial, count it all joy. Patience is being produced. And what's going to help me is when I tap into that same wisdom that was present in the beginning of all things. And though I don't get it and I don't understand why are you letting all of this happen to me and my family and how we got to this point. If I get into you, Lord God. And I hear you speaking to me and I don't doubt what you're telling me. I don't question you and fight with you about it. You'll bring me into the understanding of the time. Isn't that wonderful, everybody? Come on, just I sense this peace on that right now. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I'm telling you the answer is right here. I'm, I'm preaching to myself today. I want to make sure we're on the same page. First, let's, I want to just share this with you uh, so we have a balanced understanding of faith because a lot of times we've been told uh, so many things about faith, but this is what Chris Green means when I talk about faith. Faith will always involve three things. You can write these down if you want to. Faith will always involve, number one, insight from God. Faith will always involve, number two, agreement with God and faith will always involve number three obedience to God the first one is insight from God underline the word from second one is agreement with God underline the word underline the word with and the third one's obedience to God underline the word to so you can see that's what faith is Insight from God, agreement with God, and obedience to God. You will always have those three things operating when you're walking in faith. That's the reason why a lot of this stuff, as you just shared earlier, a lot of things that the 
quote, the so-called prophets are speaking, it's not coming from God. First of all, because it's not coming from the insight from God. They're reading soul to soul. They're reading people. So the insight's not coming from God. It's coming from an earthly, natural, demonic aspect of what they're picking up on. That's not from God. So therefore, the person receiving that word right from the outset is not receiving a word of faith. They will not be able to walk in agreement with God or obedience to God because from the beginning, what they got wasn't from God. Come on, bless the Lord. Say, yes, Lord. <laughs> and so just as an example, uh, well, let me say this first. So the trials that when, when, the, when James says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, most of the time we as believers think that the testing of the, our faith is about this. We think that it's about how long can I hold on until I see what God has promised me. Now, that is an aspect of the test, but that's not the true test. That's one of those things that, that comes along with it. That, that's, that's just a part of the testing, but that's not really the focus of the test. The real focus of the testing of our faith is this. What's being tested is, did we get this from God? Is the insight coming from God? And that always leads to a whole other thing. It's like, well, then how do I know? If rather something is from God or not. Oh, that's so glad you asked that question. <laughs> yeah. So did you know that you can fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience? And part of the reason why we're being told to count it all joy is because we're really are getting down to did this really come from God in the first place? Because I hate finding out, discovering that I'm in the midst of some trial or something. And it really, you know, I'm thinking, well, God, you let this happen. Or God, you told me to do this. And the Holy Spirit says, no, I didn't tell you to do that. You're in that mess because of what you wanted to do. Oh, so this doesn't qualify for count it all joy. <laughs> because my faith is being tested, does it? No. Nah. Because this, I've just discovered that I've been pursuing my dream all this time. It was what I wanted. It didn't come from God. So that's why it's necessary to have our faith tested. Test to find out, did the insight that I'm walking in, did it come from God? Or was it earthly? Was it demonic? Was it witchcraft? Or was it just myself? <laughs> there are a lot of people, and I see this. We see this an awful lot in the in uh, in the black community. There are a lot of people because of the history of our nation. They're still setting out to prove themselves, and so they want to have a big church or big ministry because they're still trying to prove that we heard from God too. <laughs> I'm anointed too. White people aren't the only ones anointed. We anointed too. Well, see, that, that motivation, that's not coming from God. That's not operating in the insight from God. That's operating out of a sensual, meaning feelings, point of view. 
that's operating out of myself. I'm still struggling with my self-esteem and pride. And dare I say it, there's some unforgiveness and bitterness. And I know it's not just among blacks. I know it's everybody, everywhere. There are people that are, they're in it because they're trying to prove to all their naysayers. They're still trying to prove to all of their high school friends and their college friends and church friends that I'm anointed and God's going to use me too. No, no, no. no. See, that's why you're in the midst of some of the trials that you're in because you're operating out of a different spirit. Yeah. Bless the Lord. The next one, agreement with God. The word agreement literally means harmony, like when you're all of you guys are saying when you're harmonizing with one another, when you're harmonizing with God. Do you know the agreement that you have to be in in order to harmonize? You guys do it naturally because, you know, you're singers. You just find your note. You know, if you're a soprano, you're going to get right there. Alto, you're going right there. Tenors, you're going right there. But it takes agreement to harmonize, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Because if you start singing uh, and you do a, a, a note, a part that's not in agreement with everybody else. Ever notice that if one person is off, it throws off everybody. <laughs> in three-part harmony, two people can be, they're right, but one isn't. But we can't hear the people who are right. <laughs> we can only hear the one that's wrong. Why is this important? Coming into agreement with God is this. I now submit myself and harmonize with the chord that he is playing. What does that mean? And practically, practically it means this. I want what he means by what he says in the scriptures. I want to know what he means by what he says. It's really dangerous in this era and time of many believers making proclamations and declarations. I know you guys have heard this a lot, and I'm not against it as long as people understand what this is really supposed to be about. Declarations and proclamations are supposed to be an echo of what God has spoken, not we initiate. We don't initiate proclamations and declarations. We're supposed to be echoing what God is saying. Where'd you get that from, Pastor Chris? Jesus said, I only say what I hear my father saying. I only do what I see my father doing. And the servants certainly aren't greater than the master. If that's what he does, that's what we are supposed to be doing. Jesus didn't make any declarations and decrees where he was initiating it. And even where the word of the Lord said, I know there are many that are part of the various camps who say, well, the word of God says that, that um, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And that is an English uh, and modern day English interpretation and translation when they do that. That's a Western mindset, also translation. What the scripture actually says in the original language is whatever you bind or don't or don't permit on the earth shall be that which has already been bound in heaven. 
And whatever we loose on earth shall be what has already been loosed in heaven. So what's the key? We go back to insight from God. God, what are you binding? What are you loosing? Because now I'm going to say that. Yes, Lord. Isn't that awesome, everybody? Come on, bless the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. So that's what it means to be in agreement with God. That's the point I'm making. To be in agreement means I find out what he means by what he says. I find out, first of all, what he's saying, and then go to the next step. Lord, what do you mean by that? Because, I, I, you know, there are words that, that can be spoken, and we all got different meanings of it. I could say the word blue. And everybody's not going to have the same image come into their mind. I say the word blue, some of you will look around at these seats so the picture of these chairs will come up in your mind. You'll see blue chairs. Some of you may see a blue car. You may say you'll see a blue piece of clothing. Someone else may not see any object at all. They may think a mood. Remember when somebody says, I'm feeling blue. So I could say a word and everybody gets a different meaning. How much more does that happen with us with God unless we stop? The next step. Okay, Lord, you told me this. Now tell me what you mean by that. Because so you give me a prophecy, Lord. I get a word from you. I get a promise from you. And I'm thinking you're going to do that within the next week. <laughs> There's a particular word that the Lord gave us when we first moved here 12 years ago. How God was going to give us this place of ministry in our hands. And thousands and thousands of people are going to so. We're thinking, it's first year in Harrisburg, we get a prophecy, thousands and thousands of people are going to be touched by this ministry, and no. So what did God mean by the thousands and thousands? Well, a few years later when we were uh, been going for a while, and I talked to my mom on the phone back in St. Louis, and she was telling me how much she was blessed by our internet ministry and the teachings and everything, the videos and all that. And my mother said these words. She said, Chris, you don't know this, but your ministry is touching thousands. Praise God. Oh, I thought thousands meant we were going to be one of those churches that has thousands of people sitting in seats in front of me. But what you meant by thousands and thousands did not necessarily mean we would see all of their faces. Why is that important? Because we could be grumbling and complaining and thinking God's not doing what he said. And that's because we were, I was not in agreement with what God meant by the word that he spoke. Wow. And then the last one, obedience to God. And that speaks for itself. After you have the insight and you agree, now just do what he says. But God, it doesn't make any sense. Do what he says. Because faith, faith without works is dead. And there are many, many people. I know what God is telling me. I agree with that. That's, yeah, I understand what he means by that. And we actually had uh, uh, some people tell us this, even concerning our ministry years and years ago. Uh, they told us, they said, we know what you want, Pastor. We fully understand what you're saying, but we're not doing that. Oh, 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Why am I sharing that with you? Because many people, even if they don't say it face to face, if they don't confront a pastor or a leader and say that, that's how they live. They come week after week. They hear the word. They clearly understand what God means by what he's saying. They know what they're supposed to be doing. They know they're supposed to be repenting. They know that they're supposed to be committing their hearts, their homes, their families to the Lord. They know that they're supposed to be entering to a lifestyle of praise and worship and reading his word and leading their family in devotionals. And they know it. They know it. They have clear insight. They understand what God means by what he's saying. But what's the last step? They won't obey. And therefore, their faith is dead. Why? Why is it dead? Because no obedience. And you'll see that when you look at the pattern of faith from Hebrews 11. Many of you are familiar with this. Um, Hebrews 11 chapter. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. If you want to turn there, you can. I'll just keep reading. Um, then verse three, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's what I was alluding to earlier. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Then the, then you go through the list of the pattern of faith and these incredible uh, people that God used. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent act sacrifice than Cain. Verse five, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Verse six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Why is it impossible to please God without faith? You're not just talking about the ability to hold on for what you want, you know, like twisting God's arm until you give it to me. <laughs> Why is it impossible to please God? Well, because if, it is, if the insight didn't come from God, if it's not agreement with God, and if it's not in obedience to God, then how could we possibly please God? Without insight, agreement and obedience so that's why without faith it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must what first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him then it continues by faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen moved with godly fear I'll stop there just for a second can you see the pattern by faith, being Noah, being divinely warned in sight from God. Right. Noah didn't just wake up like believers are kind of taught today. Get up and, 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 and declare and decree. No, Noah didn't get up one day and say, I decree that there will be a flood and it will destroy. No, 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 no. He didn't do that on his own. God spoke to him and then Noah began to preach as while he was while he was building. But where did it start with? God spoke to him. Abraham didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm I'm leaving my family and I'm going to be the father of many nations. Many believers are doing that. And I'm going to change my name from Abram to Abraham. I'm changing my own name. <laughs> Why is Pastor Chris saying that? Because many believers are doing that. They don't know they are because they're being taught that, that you just declare and you just decree. But when you look at the pattern, God always speaks first. Amen. Let it be. Yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord. So let me close with this. In every example and pattern that you look at, you see insight, agreement, and obedience. And all of the trials that, we come, up, that come up against us, they're testing those three things. So now let me get back to, so these proverbs about despising wisdom and the passage from James clearly show us why wisdom is not something we should ever disregard. These proverbs show us why the sons of Issachar's contribution. I said all of that to get back to why you. Look at all of your wonderful faces, all of your wonderful faces. Why you carry this Issachar contribution. You bring an understanding of the times. You bring the understanding and the balance of why we got to have insight from God. Why we've got to agree with God. Why we must obey God. You bring the understanding of the time and the season that we're in. It is an incredible weapon of war. Do not despise Cumberland Valley Church. Do not despise the weapon of wisdom and prophetic insight that God has given you. It may not look as fancy as some of the other warriors, and I don't put down any of them. Everybody that came to make David king brought something extremely important. There are those who bring tremendous insight in the words, some operating gifts of healings and miracles are happening in their ministries, and all of them are necessary. But just as necessary is an understanding of the times. Most believers are coming from professions and even educational trainings and families and churches where they operated with certain gifts. And they saw those weapons being used successfully where they come from. However, they may not have ever seen a pastor or a ministry with this particular weapon. I've noticed that a lot of times uh, ministries that operate in powerful gifts, a lot of times they get themselves in a lot of trouble because they don't understand timing. They say the wrong things at the wrong time. I've seen people that got up and prophesied people's personal business over the microphone. Yes, you may have actually seen an issue in someone's life, but take them to the side. Share with them. Talk to them there about what God showed you. Wow. Today I want you to know that it is extremely important to be part of a faith family that has an understanding of the times. It's extremely important to have God's perspective of what's going on in our world. As you look at the election that is coming up, it's extremely important to be in a place where you have an understanding of the time. When I say understanding of the time, I don't mean a presidential preference and choice. I'm talking about an understanding of what God is saying. The season that we're in in America. I remember eight years ago when many were prophesying um, uh, you know, when President Obama was running, and I knew then, I knew he was going to win. I knew he was going to win, not because he was my choice, 
but because of where America was. It was because of where America was. And so what am I getting at? I'm talking about getting into this understanding of the times. America under judgment in that season. So God allowed a person who would be at the helm that would release the judgments upon this nation. So now, where are we now? God, we hear this word coming forth, repentance. So God, so who needs to be at the helm of the ship in this hour? And can we call it this moment that you're giving us to repent so that we can go into revival? That way, I'm not in a battle with any liberals, conservatives, Republicans, Democrats, independents. Because one thing I've discovered is that when God makes a choice of who he wants there, he's going to get what he wants. You guys remember how much America fought against Bush being in office? We got down to counting hanging chaps on, a, on voting <laughs> ballots. But I believe God had chosen Mr. Bush because of where America was in that season. And we're right back there again. What's necessary? Who is necessary for what is the time and the season? So when you hear your pastor declaring and saying certain things, don't think that he's suddenly getting involved in politics. He's not getting involved in politics. He's involved in kingdom understanding and understanding of the times we're in a season where many will come to this place and this is the word that God gave me to share with you guys we're in a season where many will come to this place to obtain wisdom and understanding you just bow your heads with me now I just heard this and I as I was finishing up last night the Lord just said me to give this word to you you're in a season where many will come to this place to obtain wisdom and understanding and I encourage you to increase your discernment by becoming better at recognizing the voice and the will of God Lord I pray thank you Lord I'm going to encourage you guys to when people are coming Allow the Lord God to move upon you, to pray for them. Lay hands on, especially heads of household, when they come. Speak prophetically into their lives, even if they may not understand it all. But say what you hear the Father saying. Do what you see the Father doing. These are the weapons that you have been given. And I charge you to release your weapon. Don't despise it. Don't think it's less than anybody else's. It's vital for this hour. For many are coming who are confused. They've been locked in religion. They've been locked in even uh, spiritual movements that were of God, but then got off track. And they're going to come here confused. And not really understanding. And the biggest cry, the biggest cry in their heart is going to be, what am I supposed to do now? 
So I charge you to release the understanding of the times. Wisdom from God. Thank you, Lord. You are part of the First Chronicles 12 crew. The word of God says, all these men of war, verse 38, First Chronicles 12, 38. And I declare this because God told me to say this to you. All these men of war who could keep ranks, who had come to Hebron, and then I kind of slotted in into Mechanicsburg with a loyal heart to make, it said David, but I'm going to slide in Jesus to make Jesus king over all of them. In that case, it was to make David king over Israel, but to make Jesus king over Pennsylvania. You are part of that men of war that came. And I thank you, Lord, for the release of your power, the release of your word, the release of your anointing, the release, Lord God, of the understanding of the times, wisdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, bless the Lord, everybody. Amen. Amen. Amen.